0: After more than three years, the disaster declaration brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic is coming to an end. How does Governor J.B. Pritzker feel about it?
1: If one were to look at how Illinois handled the pandemic, um, and this is kudos and and, uh, gratitude to the people of Illinois, people did the right thing.
0: We'll hear more from the governor as we look back on how Illinois weathered the pandemic on this edition of Capital Cast. Hello, and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock. On Thursday, May 11th, both the state and national disaster declarations that have been in effect since March of 2020 will finally be lifted. In Illinois, nearly 37,000 lives were lost to the pandemic. Nationwide, it was more than 1.1 million. But with safe and effective vaccines now widely available, the mitigation measures that we all lived through, the stay-at-home orders, the mask mandates, the social distancing requirements, are now a thing of the past. Still, we thought this would be a good time to talk with Governor J.B. Pritzker to look back and reflect on what all has happened over the last three years. I spoke with the Governor by phone on Tuesday of this week. Here now is that conversation. The disaster declaration expires on Thursday. Your most recent executive orders will expire on Thursday. What will be noticeably different when this happens because it seems like you've been kind of winding this down for some time now
1: that's right and um, uh, exactly to your point there's been very little impact on uh, the vast majority of people in Illinois of the uh, disaster declarations since we uh, had the massive rollout and success of uh, vaccines uh, into people's arms over the course of, uh, you know, all the way through about mid 2022. But uh, remember what the benefit was of keeping the disaster declaration in place. Uh, One major benefit was that we were able to garner support from the federal government for our SNAP program and uh, keeping Medicaid in place for so many people who needed it, relied upon it, uh, who were covered uh, by the federal disaster declaration but we needed to have a state one to match in order to make that effective um and um you know and and remember uh that uh those dollar we are you know illinois is a donor state to the federal government in terms of uh, tax Mm -hmm. dollars paid uh being greater than the tax uh, benefits that we receive in illinois and uh so being able to tap into federal resources for especially the most vulnerable people in our state uh was a huge uh, uh benefit and something that i think illinois deserves having been uh, a donor state so uh that that i would say you know when, when i think about the you know the uh, purpose of the uh, disaster declaration in the final year anyway it's been to, to support vulnerable families and. And people but obviously for the rest of the time it's been you know to keep people safe from the virus and make sure we could get vaccines in arms and make sure that we could um, uh, you know keep people socially distant and, and wearing masks uh, while this virus was uh, unchecked by vaccines and then unchecked by many people who still hadn't gotten the vaccine uh, through uh, you know
0: during 2021 okay so do those federal reimbursements? Uh, phase out as the federal disaster declaration expires also? They do. Okay. Is that going to have much of a budget impact? Oh.
1: Um, it, it doesn't affect our state budget. These were federal dollars coming in um, that that obviously benefit the people who receive, for example, SNAP benefits. So it has an effect on SNAP benefit recipients, for sure. Um, they will receive less uh, than they had. Um, and the same thing goes, as you know, there's a Medicaid redetermination that's occurring. So there will be people who have Medicaid coverage now who won't have it as a result of the requirement for redetermination that gets lifted uh, as this disaster goes away. And then final uh, thing, just to keep in mind, you asked about the budget, but but uh, uh, remember that there were people who were able to get free tests and still are by the way for the next two days i hope that you'll if you print this in the next day you'll put that in your story about people can go to covid. dot gov slash tests and uh where you can get free tests for the next two days after that you can't test yourself free uh and uh many of the treatments that were free will no longer be free they'll be covered by insurance um it will be covered by uh, medicaid but uh, but that doesn't mean that there will be absolutely free.
0: Okay, uh, wanted to see if you could take us back to the first few weeks and months of the pandemic, when hospitals were filling up, when the healthcare system was being stretched to its breaking point. What was it like in your office at that time? What was how hectic was it um, from where you were sitting?
1: Well, <laughs> I. Let me let me tell you just a maybe a, a vignette of something that happened uh, during the early moments of the pandemic. Um, there were scientists at the University of Illinois um, who put together a model of what uh, the death rate and uh, rate of hospitalizations would be if we didn't put any mitigations in place, if we put certain mitigations in place, or if we put significant mitigations like a stay-at-home order in place. And without any mitigations, their projection was just in the Chicago area alone, we would see 40,000 deaths in approximately four months. Um,
0: the entire you, the entire state didn't hit forty thousand, did it?
1: Never did. No, yeah. the entire state, but but without mitigations, they were projecting forty thousand deaths just in Chicago, mm-hmm. um, and that would mean approximately seventy to eighty thousand statewide if you extrapolate, um, and so. You know, you can imagine how that guides your thinking uh, early on, and these are some of the best uh, experts, uh, mathematicians, literally a rocket scientist uh, involved. And uh, I still have that, uh, that study that they did and the model that they presented. Um, and, and so uh, that was, uh, just to give you an idea, that was a, a, an initial impetus. Um, in addition to all of the other information that we were receiving for putting a stay-at-home order in place. As you know, we were the second state by a couple of hours to put a stay-at-home order in place. Um, and, uh, and almost every state put a stay-at-home order in place within two days after that. Hmm. Uh, so when you ask about you know, what was going on, getting information from scientists and doctors at that point as you can imagine we obviously had doctors at IDPH but i also wanted to hear from the experts in at uh, our excellent you know globally recognized hospitals in illinois so that includes you know southern illinois uh it includes northwestern includes university of chicago and so on and and you know U, UIC we i called individually many of the these are world-renowned experts i mean who you you all came to know but at the time nobody knew who they were because you know nobody knows who the best immun- immunologist or the best epidemiologist is uh until you are faced with a global pandemic and uh and you know they were giving uh, uh advice about what it would take to keep people safe and uh, so we were looking at that, thinking about, remember, in March of, of in, in mid-March of 2020, our hospitals were not overrun. Um, so you were projecting, I mean, we barely had, I think, one death at that point. But we could see all around the world what was happening. And so you knew it was coming. And so what could you do to make sure our hospitals were remained open uh, and that people could get health care and that people wouldn't get as many people as possible would kept be kept safe from getting COVID-19. And we didn't know much about COVID-19 or even how it was spread. Remember early on, there was a, uh, uh, you know, some belief that it could be spread on surfaces. Um, And so people were wearing gloves to open their packages and things like that. Um, So there wasn't a lot of information. What we knew was that the most uh, effective way to keep people uh, safe in the early moments of this would be for people to keep some social distance. Um, And so uh, keeping our hospitals open was vital because in addition to needing to put the most acute cases of COVID in the hospital for treatment, And again, we didn't the hospitals didn't even know how to treat it perfectly at that point. Uh, But you also have people who are getting heart attacks and in car accidents and every other kind of malady that would need a hospital bed. And if you if if every bed is filled with a covid patient, you'd have a lot of people dying from lots of other conditions. I know this is a, a, you know, a, a treatise and you were looking for maybe a quick answer, but we in those early moments of the pandemic, I mean, it was we, we were we were putting in long hours and it was a, you know, a, a, a frantic effort to look at every possible method of uh, safety and mitigation that we could put in place and determine whether those would be effective. We were advised by the Department of Homeland Security that uh, there were certain kinds of businesses that should be deemed essential. Uh, and the Department of Homeland Security had its a, it, a list that they had put together for these sorts of emergencies. And so that was what we used and what virtually every state used Uh, to determine, you know, what should stay open uh, and, uh, you know, and and, uh, how to keep people safe. So um, we were learning about this every day for quite some time, and uh, it helped us to, and I think following the science, listening to the doctors helped us keep the hospitals open. And at no time, Peter, did our hospitals ever close. I mean, we were never overrun. There were other states that were. Our hospitals were not, and um, I'm very proud of that fact. And I think our, our hospitals, the the healthcare workers, um, deserve you know enormous thanks for the work that they did to make sure that we never had
0: that. So, was there a moment when you could see things turning around? When you could see this day on the horizon? Uh, when did? you really start to see light at the end of the tunnel.
1: Unfortunately, there really wasn't uh, until very late. What I mean is we had to go through a number of, um, of uh, uh, peaks of the pandemic in order to understand, you know, what would work and how bad it would get at any given moment. And was this going to be seasonal and was was a mask mandate, you know, bringing down the, the curve, you know, the curve, uh, bending the curve uh, was a, you know, was keeping people distant working. What what was working and uh, when would I need to sound the alarm? Remember, communication to the public was vitally important when the federal government was providing very little. And so that's the reason why I was at that podium every day. For months straight, um, it, it because people needed to know what the latest information was, and you know what it was that they could do to keep themselves safe. Because you know the government can't. In the end, the government uh, isn't going to prevent people from interacting with one another. Uh, you know, we, it's not like you know putting a stay-at-home order meant that you know that people weren't going to talk to one another. Or, Meet up with one another. It it really people needed to take action on their own, but they needed to know what the government was telling them would be the best thing to do. Um, and again, we I think we succeeded at, at all at those things. And you could just look at the statistics. Um, you know, we we you know in in twenty twenty one. You know, as we ended twenty twenty one, where we had that uh, surge that took place, and you look back. You know, Illinois was leading. Uh, having the fewest COVID-19 hospitalizations and deaths per capita in the Midwest um, by the end of, of 2021. And, and, you know, we still are in the, you know, among the top states in the Midwest and in the country in terms of uh, uh, keeping, uh, reducing the uh, mortality rate per capita. Uh, and, you know, I, so, you know, we succeeded in a lot of these things, but but not without we didn't know is the answer. You asked me, you know, when could you see a moment like today, especially when there were no vaccines, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. Sure. And so until we got the vaccines and then got them in people's arms, and you remember there was a lot of tension in the early months of uh, vaccinations about, you know, uh, how fast could people get vaccinated. And we had to prioritize because there just wasn't enough vaccine, and so we prioritized the most vulnerable people. Um, and then, the, if you if you really forced me to say when could you see light at the end of the tunnel, it was when we could see the you know the the uh, peak ending or, or sorry from the peak to the valley from 2021 in that December 2021 to let's say March or April. Too, you started to see that the vaccines are working and that, that uh, uh, many fewer people were getting sick and, and dying.
0: Okay. And finally, you know, there has been a lot of questioning, a lot of second guessing about how long you kept the disaster declaration in place and you know, the number of executive orders you issued. Why did it take so long to reach this point when many of our neighboring states dropped their d- disaster declarations some time ago?
1: Well, let's start with this. Uh, don't misunderstand. Uh, there were no mitigations that were part of these disaster declarations in uh, these. You know, in the, over the last year. Um, this is stuff that's just coming from the right wing who like to point at the disaster declaration and then conflate that with some restriction on people. There are no restrictions. Why was there a disaster declaration? Because in order for us to receive the federal benefits that were being offered to SNAP recipients, who are the poorest people in our state, uh, people who needed Medicaid, who are the poorest people in our state, uh, you needed to match up your disaster declaration and executive orders with the federal government's executive orders and disaster declaration. So we did that. And as you said early in this conversation, you saw that we ramped down the executive orders long ago, in fact, Um, and all that really was left uh, of the disaster declaration was a focus on uh, getting those resources from the federal government. Um, There were Republicans throughout this who tried to use the pandemic as a political tool and uh they were always in the minority uh you know but they were always loud um and there were states around us you talked about the states around us those are almost all republican controlled states even the states that have a democratic governor Kentucky and Wisconsin are controlled by a Republican General Assembly, and uh, so you know the the uh, the fact is that they, you know, for political reasons, ended their disasters, uh, often forcing the governor to uh, remove mitigations that would have kept people safer, uh, and uh, you know they did all of that for political reasons. I my view is that we're a donor state illinois a donor state in terms of the taxes that we pay to the federal government versus the benefits that we receive from the federal government we're one of only 10 donor states all the rest of them get more back than they give to the federal government and so where there is an opportunity for us to get more of our fair share from the federal government i'm going to go get it
0: okay any other final thoughts
1: um, I guess I, I, you know, I guess I, the only thing I would tell you is that um, to the extent, you know, this, look, we've lost almost 37,000 lives to COVID in Illinois, and it's been awful uh, for so many families and, of course, for those who passed. Um, but if one were to look at how Illinois handled the pandemic, um, and this is kudos and, and, and uh, gratitude to the people of Illinois. People did the right thing, and the vast majority of people in Illinois understood what they needed to do. They heard what they needed to do from the experts, and they did it. And the result of that is, you know, to the extent one can use, um, you know, the word success uh, here... The result is that, that we had real success here at, at keeping people safe and
0: alive. Okay, Governor, thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Good to talk to you, Peter.
0: That was Governor J.B. Pritzker, and this is Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capitol News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next time, this is Peter Hancock saying thank you for listening.